The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern-day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than Amuse. I'm Stani. And I'm Sadie. Welcome back to another week of More Than Amuse Mystery Month, Murder Mystery Month. Murder, well, I mean, mystery both month. murder and mystery. True. If you are new to this podcast, hi. We talk about forgotten women artists from history. Also, if you are listening, we keep saying this at the very end of the episode. We are now putting the videos on YouTube. And, oh, maybe in a couple of weeks, our setup's also going to be cute. Yes, so we're working on we're that. that. So yeah. YouTube watchers, bear with mm-hmm. us. It will look yeah. cuter than this in a little. Yes. We're working on it. Um, but yeah, we're just excited to introduce more video. We've been doing this audio only for three years now. Yeah. You know, video is growing. We're getting more used to being on camera. We're bear with us about it. as we learn how to be on camera as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But anyways, I'm really excited to continue our murder mystery theme for October with who I'm talking about today, which is Nancy Drew, but of course, also the authors behind Mm. Nancy Drew. Did you read Nancy Drew growing up? Were you a Nancy Drew girl? I had to have read at least one or two. I'm pretty sure. I know that I didn't read the whole series, but how many books are there? Like 50 something? Yeah, there's a lot. I haven't read all of them. (laughs) So like, there's no way. But I knew who Nancy Drew was. And I remember mostly the movie with Emma Roberts. I was going to ask if you saw that movie. Yes. That's what I distinctly remember from my childhood, which by Mm -hmm. the way, we will be doing a watch party of that movie this week, which I'm so excited for because I remember like loving the character in the movie. And apparently Mm -hmm. that movie was like rated really low. I know. (laughs) I really liked it as a kid. I'm excited to watch it again because I'm curious if it really is bad. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's like the true tragedy of growing older is going back and like remembering the movies you were obsessed with as a kid and then realizing that they're rated super low and that people didn't actually like them that much because I thought Nancy Drew was an incredible film as a child. I know. And I remember being sad that we never got another one because I, I know. it just I stopped I know the mm-hmm. CW picked it up and did yeah. a couple did you ever watch any of that so I watched it in preparation for this episode I wanted to watch a couple episodes it was good I liked it I I don't know if this is like a thing with CW shows but the plot just got crazy yeah <laughs> they did a thing with Riverdale where they were able yes. to like make it crazy but gradually and so I think that that's why Riverdale caught on but then mm. they're like oh people like the crazy plot and every other CW show I've seen since then they like dive immediately into the like crazy. insane plot twist like right at the beginning that is how I felt where mm-hmm. the first like couple episodes set up you know there was a mystery there's like an overarching like town mystery there's a murder that she's gonna solve it set it up great 
But like by episode seven in the first season, suddenly there were like magic coins from the Roman Empire. They had to like steal from this like underground cult club where only the elite go, but there's like a ball that they do. Anyways, I was just like, enough. Like this is too much. Gosh, that's such a bummer though, because honestly, when Riverdale first started, one of the things I loved about it the most is Mm -hmm. the way that it was able to mix like modern technology with that retro aesthetic. Yeah, Uh And I feel like that's the exact place that Nancy Drew belongs. Yes, totally. So it's such a bummer that they keep getting wilder and they can't just like create a show based off of the books that's how i felt i the show was still fun like i honestly might go back and still watch the rest of the season because it intrigued me enough that i want to know who like (laughs) who was the murderer i am really interested but i'm just really i don't know how crazy we're gonna go i I took a break um i I loved the emma roberts movie as a kid and i read a lot of the books as well like whenever we would go to the library the Syracuse library was a reoccurring theme of my childhood. We would go all the time and I would always get a Nancy Drew book. So I read Same. a lot of them actually. Well, I didn't get the Nancy Drew ones, but that was our library too. It would stop mm-hmm. on the way home from school. My mom liked yep. it better than the Davis County one. Yeah. yeah the Clearfield one, which yeah, they okay, remodeled. Cool. So now it's better, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, no, I love Nancy Drew. So I was very excited, obviously, to get the chance to talk about one of my childhood heroes. And um, originally it was to talk about the author of Nancy Drew, but because she is such like an iconic character, there's been so many movies, TV shows, and even video games as well um, that have been created based on the character. I wanted to talk about the character as well, like the series creation, and then go into like how the series was made. It's, It's really interesting, actually, to learn about. But yeah, big Nancy Drew fan. So excited to no, that's exciting. talk about my girl. Anything else that we need to cover for the episode today? I don't think so. Yeah, um, just follow on Instagram because we've got fun stuff going on for October. And true. let's learn about Nancy Drew. Let's learn about Nancy Drew. Pausing real quick, though. Have you or are you planning on going to see the Eras Tour movie? I have not seen it yet. I saw I mean, some TikToks. Two days, so I know. <laughs> I saw some TikToks of people like screaming and dancing in the theater, and I got very worried. My I theater just, was like, chill. super chill. Okay, yeah. cool. I My... got a little nervous. Utah's kind of a. <laughs> ballad <laughs> right so yes. my mom really wanted to go because she wanted to see the concert but we couldn't mm-hmm. get tickets on the second round so i'm gonna go with her next weekend i think i feel like if you go the second weekend it will weed out anyone that would be disruptive right um, i went last night and i felt like the audience was like very engaged and like we did the chant with like delicate it was also funny too like people were just like lightly clapping after every song and it was like taylor can't hear us but it just felt right just to clap after every song no Um, i love but no one was being crazy disruptive there were like two younger girls who like went down in the front and were like dancing to the side and it was just cute like it wasn't annoying but i wouldn't i didn't want any screaming people either so thankfully mine was pretty chill yeah, I was like in a movie theater. I was like the concert was fine, but in a movie mm-hmm. theater, I'm going to like sit there and just watch it. And enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally with you. But Sadie went and she got me a cup because she was like, nice. they're going to sell out. So I got you a cup. And I'm like, thank you. So nice. <laughs> Sorry to any Taylor Swift fans who didn't want the update. But as a Taylor Swift fan, I got to check in. Yeah. You know Swift what's funny? Update. 
I was like, I'm going the second weekend. And then I was like, crap, there's going to be spoilers. And then I was like, I went to the concert. <laughs> I was there. Yeah. I was so like, true. there's no spoilers. There's no spoilers. Um, yeah. Did you hear, though, that the, she did cut out some songs? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know which ones, but I did hear that she did that. And I thought that was a bummer because the movie's three hours. Yeah, it was, it's almost three hours anyways. I mean, it was still really fun. I had a partially obstructed view, so mm. it was super, super fun to like actually see what was going on stage, get a close yeah, on what the dancers that's were That's what I'm excited about because, awesome. yeah, I couldn't see anything that was happening on the inner stage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was really awesome. No, that'll cool. be so great. Well, excited to hear the report back next Yeah, week. I'll let you know. Um, okay, so let's talk about Nancy Drew. A brief overview. So she's obviously fictional character who appears in several mystery book series, movie, video games, and a TV show as a teenage amateur sleuth. The books are actually ghostwritten by a number of authors and they were published under a collective pseudonym of Carolyn Keene. So the character of Nancy Drew was created by the publisher named Edward Straitmeyer. And she was basically created as the female counterpart to his Hardy Boys series. Okay, that's what I mm -hmm. wondered. I was like, did the Hardy Boys come before Nancy Drew? Yes, they were. Okay. They came first. And then also it was all by the same publisher. So once that was successful, I think he realized, oh, mystery novels for kids, they work really well. Let's make the female counterpart to yeah. it. Yeah. No, so, that's really cool. That cool. My brother read the Hardy Boys books, I think, mm -hmm. a couple of yeah, I don't yeah. think I ever did because I was like, I'm good. I got Nancy. Yeah. But, yeah, I knew about them. But the character first appeared in 1930 in the Nancy Drew Mystery Stories. And that series lasted until 2003, actually. Wow. And it consisted of 175 novels. Okay. Which is a lot. So yeah. Yeah, a lot. That is a lot of books. And I was surprised that, I don't know, like 1930? Great Depression time. I don't know. I don't feel yeah. like you hear of a lot of things coming out of the 30s because you know, of what the world was going on. So, I don't know. I thought it was cool. And then it lasted until, yeah, 2003. So I'll talk about it later. But like later, the series kind of rebrands and it comes out as a different name. So they're still making Nancy Drew books just under a different name. But the original, like solid series. Yeah, 175 yeah, novels. Man. Crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of books. If any of you have actually read every single Nancy Drew book, will you please say, let us know. I'm yeah. so curious. I'm sure someone out there has. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're, they're fun. I, I didn't re have time to reread it in preparation for this episode, but I do have a copy of a, of a, yeah, of a Nancy Drew book. And I tried to reread it a couple years ago. I will say that once I reread it, I definitely got the vibe of, oh, this is a children's story. That's, it's like we talked about how it's like you grow up and realize the movies aren't as good as you remember. <laughs> but it's more of just, oh, I'm just not the target demographic anymore. I'm an adult. Yeah. So it doesn't hit as much. But it was still really good and still love Nancy Drew. So books fun. are great. Still check them out if you haven't read them yet. But about who Nancy Drew is as a character. So... Nancy Drew, like I mentioned, amateur detective. She was actually originally depicted as a 16-year-old high school graduate, but was later rewritten as an 18-year-old graduate. And I'm imagining that's just because 16 was a little bit too young to be a high school graduate at the time. Do you think that's like the Great Depression kind of I'm coming wondering, in? I'm wondering, yeah, if just at that time people maybe just graduated earlier, like how the yeah. school worked that, yeah, you could be a 16-year-old high school graduate, but then like later that just didn't make sense to like not acknowledge why yeah um and that's another interesting thing too where it's like the main little tidbits of who nancy drew is it 
remains the same basically, but there are just kind of like weird little slight changes either when they go back and edit editions or just you know, over the span of 175 novels, they would just change things, which is a yeah, little confusing. <laughs> no, it's not as like consistent of stories, but at the same time, I think the idea of the Nancy Drew novels are they're just a bunch of standalone mysteries. They're not necessarily books that you'd have to read in chronological order to oh, like, okay. make sense of. I mean, it's just that makes character sense. Nancy. It's like Scooby-Doo episodes. Yeah. I guess like for some of those like crime shows, there is like an overarching theme, but a lot of those like Law and Order, Scooby-Doo, I can't think of another one, like things like that. Like it's just about solving the mystery or reading the mystery of the individual book, even if, you know, and it's the same character every time. That makes Anyways. sense. So in the series, though, she lives in a fictional town of River Heights with her father, who's an attorney, Carson Drew, and they have a housekeeper named Hannah Gruen. As a child, she loses her mother. She was age 10 in the original versions, but age three in the later versions. Oh, so wow. That's another thing that they just slightly changed. Yeah. And her loss, like the loss of her mother basically makes it so her as a character is very independent. She runs her household with the housemaid, um, Hannah Groon. She, like, since the age of 10, basically, she is just, yeah, she's running the show. So I think that's like what grounds her as such an independent person. I don't know if they changed it later because they felt like 10 was a little bit too old to be that independent. So they were like, oh, maybe if she never grew up with a mother, that would make more sense. I don't know why they changed it, but they did. But also her housekeeper, Hannah, is like a mother figure to her. So that's a very close relationship to Nancy. As a teenager, though, she spends her time solving mysteries. Some she stumbles on and some begin as cases of her father's. She's often assisted in solving mysteries by her two close friends that are her cousins, Bess Marvin and George Fane. Bess is delicate and feminine and George is like the tomboy of the group. And then she's also sometimes joined by her boyfriend, Ned Nickerson, who's a student at Emerson College. Those oh, are all okay. the same. I will say that like with the movies and with the TV show, that's a little bit different in the CW show. The two girls who are like close to her, they are named Bess and George. Like they're not cousins. They don't start out as friends. But as soon as I knew that their names were George and Bess, I was like, oh, that they're going to be close soon. No, it's just slightly different. But anyways, okay. it was just kind of funny. Like the ways that the series paid homage to the original traits of Nancy Drew. But yeah, obviously very flexible when you have magic Roman coins. But anyways, <laughs> no, what the heck? <laughs> I honestly, the plot's crazy. I can't wait to keep watching just so I can see what <laughs> yeah. even happens. Those CW um, shows, they're yeah. like... It's very entertaining. Yeah, goodness. Um, but Nancy is essentially just Supergirl. Like, <laughs> this quote made me laugh. Um, it said, she is as immaculate and self-possessed as a Miss America on tour. She is cool as a rock star and as sweet as Betty Crocker. Oh, okay. I thought that was sweet. And yeah. I thought like if there was going to be maybe a criticism of Nancy Drew, it'd be almost like that she is a Mary Sue of just she's so naturally good at everything and everyone just loves her and she's just cool and nothing is difficult for her. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're reading a story about like solving the mystery, I feel like that's a trope with the detectives. Like the detectives yeah. have to be very good at it. There's a reason why they can solve these mysteries and put together all these clues and it's because they are smart. No, that makes sense. Plus, yeah. like, when you're a teenage girl, there's always somebody that you feel like is like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So totally. it's, like, not that crazy for a teenage girl like book series to be like, oh, yeah, she's just the person who's good at everything. She's just that girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> totally. At 16, apparently she had studied psychology after and in school and was familiar with the power of suggestion and association. Nancy was a fine painter, spoke French, and had frequently run motorboats. She was a skilled driver who, at 16, flashed into the garage with a skill born of long practice. The prodigy was a sure shot, an excellent swimmer, a skillful oarsman, an expert seamstress, a gourmet cook, and a fine bridge player. <laughs> um, and she brilliantly played tennis and golf and rode like a cowboy. Nancy j danced like Ginger Rogers and could administer first aid like the Mayo brothers. <laughs> there you go. Again, she's a just renaissance woman. A renaissance woman. <laughs> a true American, like America's sweetheart through and through, yeah. to be honest. She could ace it a beauty pageant in a second. Yeah. Other funny things, Nancy never lacks money. Later volumes of the series, she often like travels to faraway locations. She's also able to travel freely about the United States, thanks in part to her car, which the car is a big part. It's a blue roadster in the original series and a blue convertible in the later books. I don't know if that was just maybe slightly adjusted to be like what was cool yeah. what was cool and vintage mm -hmm. time despite the trouble and presumed expense to which she goes to solve mysteries she never accepts monetary compensation but it is implied that her expenses are often paid by a client of her father's as part of the cost of solving one of his cases oh, so okay. basic because she helps her father's do his like law stuff every now and then and solve the cases of his clients that's how she gets paid to do it Anyway, so I just thought that was like an interesting, yeah. like, like I said, she has no troubles, has no worries. And also, I don't think that's the point of the lore of Nancy Drew. They're not like, how does she do this? How does she financially live? Like, <laughs> nope, she is just forever an 18 year old girl. Dad's a lawyer. Yeah. Also, super true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you like, think we can figure that one out on our own? <laughs> So valid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this quote. So despite revisions, what hasn't changed, however, are Nancy's basic values, her goals, her humility, and her magical gift for having at least nine lives. For more than six decades, her essence has remained intact. Nancy is a teen detective queen who offers girl readers something more than action-packed adventure. She gives them something original. Convention has it that girls are passive, respectful, and emotional. But with the energy of a girl shot out of a cannon, Nancy bends convections and acts out every girl's fantasies of power. I like bringing in the fact that it's like she's independent. She travels the world. Like, she drives herself to different locations. She's not afraid to do that. Like, she's not yeah. afraid to put herself in those situations. I don't know. I thought that was like a cool like way to describe that and give credit to the character of Nancy Drew. Yeah, it really is such like a teen fantasy. Like totally. whereas an adult you look at it and you're like, that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. It's for kids. And the idea that like everything's paid for, you have everything you need at your disposal mm -hmm. to do it and you're capable of everything that you yes. need to accomplish. Mm -hmm. That's pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. And yeah. I think that it's like as a younger girl, like reading Nancy Drew book, it was really, just, oh, she's so cool because she does know everything. She's just good at all these cool things. And it's not mm -hmm. like, oh, she's so beautiful. It's like I said, she has a cool car. She yeah. has a cool boyfriend in college. She is good at horseback riding. She goes to all these places by herself. Like she's just the cool girl who can solve crimes and mysteries yeah. and put together clues, but also at the same time is like really helpful and altruistic. Doesn't do things for the money, just does it because she wants to help people, but also just like like solving puzzles. It's just cool. Yeah. So. No, I that makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As maybe a critique of this, I thought it was an interesting point to bring up that maybe Nancy is like a paradox. 
so basically at the same time she can be like feminist girl power icon but then conservatives can maybe love her because she has like the more traditional like middle class values but also is i don't know up still a prim proper girl who's very kind and respectful and so it's almost like she does both things at once and maybe that's what like made her such a universally loved character is somehow it was able to appeal to both audiences all at the same time that makes makes sense sense. yeah Yeah. so i thought that was an interesting yeah point to bring up anyway there is our favorite detective around here good old nancy drew and also i think the emma roberts version i think she played what i just described exceptionally well that's what i was thinking about like especially they're running the household and everything Mm -hmm. like I think it fit perfectly. And And so prim and proper. (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I remember a lot about the Emma Roberts movie is that the other girls at school didn't really think she was great or anything. She was like into all this vintage stuff, but she like Mm -hmm. literally didn't care. She just was who she was. Yeah. She was like, this is my old fashioned lunchbox and this sandwich that I made by myself and I'm Mm going to eat it with my thermos of soup and no one's Mm going to care. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like it doesn't start out as something that she's insecure about. And I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I think at a certain point in the movie, she like realizes, I don't know, that she becomes aware of it and wants to fit in. But like she doesn't ever really change who she is. And that mm-hmm. never is like a part of the movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. But like I said, I don't remember them changing her. That was never the point. It was like, no, oh, she's yeah. so herself. And that's actually what's cool. And then all the characters are like, oh, we were wrong. We misjudged her. So they get it. Anyways. Love it. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch that movie again this week. That's going to be so fun. (laughs) Me too. Okay. So let's talk about the creation then of this character. So unfortunately, she was not created by a woman, but you know what? Shout out to Edward Straitmeyer for this. So it was created by, like I mentioned, Edward Straitmeyer, and he was the founder of Straitmeyer Syndicate. In 1926, he created the Hardy Boys. And the first volume of that was published in 1927, which was a huge success. So he decided to create a similar series for girls, which featured an amateur girl detective as the heroine. While Straitmeyer believed that a woman's place was in the home, he was aware that the Hardy Boys books were popular with girl readers and wished to capitalize on girls' interest in mysteries by offering a strong female heroine. So you know what? Shout out to capitalism in this one sense, because he's like, you know what? I don't think a woman should be doing this, but it's going to make me a lot of money. What a stand up guy. What a stand up guy. (laughs) So he wrote actually a lot of the plot outlines and he hired Mildred Wirt, who I'll talk about her life, her name, Mildred Wirt Benson. And she actually ghost wrote the first volumes in the series under the pseudonym Carolyn Keene. And the, di- the later titles have been written by several ghostwriters under that mm-hmm. same name. The first four titles were published in 1930 and were an immediate success. They don't really know the exact sales figures. They're not available before the years 1979. Mm-hmm. But something that indicates how popular the book was is that... So a different, a certain editor wrote to Edward in 1931. And basically the letter said, can you let us have the manuscript as soon as possible and no later than July 10th? There will only be three or four titles brought out then. And Nancy Drew is one of the most important. Um, The 6,000 copies that Macy's ordered for the 1933 Christmas season sold out within days. In 1934, Fortune magazine featured the syndicate in a cover story and singled Nancy Drew out for a particular attention. Quote, Nancy is the greatest phenomenon among all the 50 centers. She is a bestseller. How she crashed a Valhalla that had been originally restricted to the male of her species is a mystery even to her publishers. 
So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool that like immediately when it came out in the 30s, it was an instant hit. And I think it's like the same thing that we talk about over and over again, where it's like the market learns that women want to see themselves in media. And then they're like, oh, that's weird. And then it like is an instant success. I think we saw it this, yeah. this summer with the Barbie mm-hmm. movie, right? Where it's like the movie was written, like was for women and what happened it did incredibly well yeah i don't know why it's weird (laughs) it's so funny that it's so shocking every time but it's this has been going on forever over and over again and we (laughs) talk about it even with the creation of the barbie doll and something was finally created for girls to put see themselves as they wanted it they wanted more and more nancy drew books and it's still around it's still around so to talk a little bit about just the concept of the ghostwriters and how it worked because this was you know, obviously unusual. I didn't yeah. realize that for a long, long time that Carolyn Keene was actually not a real person. Consistent with the other straight Meyer syndicate properties, which is like Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and like whatever other concepts they would come out with, they would do this where there would be one pen name, but they would hire a lot of different people to be the ghostwriters. I don't necessarily know the point of that. Maybe it was just so that turnover could be high enough. That's what I would um, assume. If he's that in love with capitalism and making money, it was probably <laughs> the idea that they yeah. could have multiple books in production at different stages at the same totally. time. And I think that the most important thing was the character. He, like I said, he was the one writing the outline for the mystery and the novels. And so it was like, okay, now I can just write as many outlines I can have you guys like fill in the pieces. Yeah. So I'm sure it's it was like, yeah, not a bad way to run a children's series no. especially because the books are pretty short and they were selling them for 50 cents yeah so like it makes sense yeah it, it does make sense mm-hmm. like it yeah. says it's like a business decision yeah totally so Good. how the contracts would work is they would sometimes well the contracts would maybe be interpreted as requiring the authors to sign away all rights to authorship or future royalties contracts stated the authors could not use their pseudonyms independently of the like syndicate so they couldn't go on and like oh i'm carolyn Keene. it had to be so separate than everything in the early days ghostwriters were paid a fee of 125 dollars which was roughly equivalent to two months wages a typical newspaper reporter okay Um, so like it wasn't a bad paying gig yeah you know for one story they'd basically like i said get paid for what they would just to be a newspaper reporter for one book during the great depression the sea was lowered to a hundred dollars and then eventually to 75 dollars yeah so that's not great i'm would love to see the graphs of the profit margins. Yeah. Like I'm if they like, were still was he selling getting richer books. and everyone else was getting paid less. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he was maybe sales were going down and so he had to I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean like, like if we wanna look at it generously. Yeah, that's true. The economy did really suck. So, so it makes sense. Like, unfortunately he would just have to Yeah. Not pay them as much, unfortunately. Um, but all the royalties went to syndicate. So they were basically just paid for hire, like hire for pay, directed, standard, um, and no royalties would go to them. All correspondence with the publisher was handled through the syndicate office. The syndicate was able to enlist the cooperation of libraries in hiding the ghostwriters' names. Um, when Walter Carey wrote volumes 8 through 10 in the original Nancy Drew mystery story, he actually tried to claim rights with the Library of Congress in 1933. The syndicate instructed the Library of Congress not to reveal names of any Nancy Drew authors, a move which actually the Library of Congress complied. So 
basically to summarize it, 1933, a certain person wanted to come forward and say, no, I want my name on it. And they kept it a secret actually for a long time of who the ghostwriters and what their names were on those Nancy Drew novels. If that was the agreement, I, I know too. That's what's so annoying is it's like, <laughs> even if I don't love it, it's like, that is what you agreed to. Like yeah. that was what was in the contract. I understand that it would be really annoying not to be like outwardly credited for your work, especially if it was doing this well, like you would want people to know. But it sucks that that was technically outside of the agreement. Yeah. Plus, I kind of look at it. I'm like, he wrote eight and ten. So mm-hmm. eight, nine, and ten. So I'm like, that's three books. Yeah. And it obviously was already successful before then. Before, true. So I'm like, you can't just come on and take credit for everything. Yeah. Maybe those books were like super successful. I don't know. Yeah. But I talked about the process, but just to you know, break it down even more. So – The process would consist of creating a very detailed plot outline, drafting a manuscript, editing the manuscript, and then Edward Straitmeyer and his daughter, Harriet Adams, and Edna Straitmeyer Squire, they actually wrote most of the outlines for the original Nancy Drew series until 1979. So I thought that was cool. Even if the original creator wasn't a woman, uh, his daughters actually played a pretty key role in the original outlines. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was really cool. So shout out to Harriet Adams and Edna Straitmeyer. Yeah, uh, they were also big uh, players in the creation of Nancy Drew. And then usually other writers, though, would write the manuscripts. And then, like I mentioned, that most of the earlier volumes were written by Mildred Benson. At the end, after we talk about this, I'll give a little brief, bad, a brief overview of her life. Straitmeyer edited the first three volumes, and then Harriet Adams, his daughter, edited most of the future volumes until she died in 1982. So a really long time. Yeah. Um, what a cool way to pass on mm-hmm. the legacy. Be like she was so involved in it from the beginning, and then she gets the to edit it until she passes away. That's really yeah. cool. And then even from the late 50s until she died, she would actually revise a lot of them as well. So she was very involved. And then from the 50s as well, she would also write the manuscripts for most of the books. So I thought that was really cool. Like she started yeah. out writing the outlines and then would revise it. And then that later to her just taking over and writing most of the books. After Adam's death, Harriet, his daughter, the series production was overseen by Nancy Axelrad, who also wrote several of the volumes. The rights to the character were sold in 1984, along with just the company straight Meyer syndicate itself to Scheinman and schuster um and then the book packager mega Books subsequent hired authors to write the main nancy drew series and a new series called the nancy drew files so like oh. i mentioned they changed over time i remember as a kid seeing like just like the different covers for like the nancy drew books like, yeah like different. that's weird but it was almost like to show the transition of different publishers and different people picking up the Nancy Drew books. So, hey, aren't the Nancy Drew Files ones the ones that they base the video games on, though? I think so. Hey, because I was like, I always assumed that the Nancy Drew Files was the video game name, mm-hmm. and then Nancy Drew was the book series. Now I'm like, oh, it was yeah, both. Mm-hmm. And this thing, like, it's all the Nancy Drew, but like, what's well, like Scooby Doo? <laughs> I didn't plan on talking about Scooby Doo at all. It's and okay. Now I it up twice. <laughs> Child mystery. Child no? mysteries. Yes, where it's like. There's like the original Scooby-Doo, then there's What's New Scooby-Doo. They all have slightly different names to just show like different people creating them yeah. or like being the main person behind them. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. 
Um, my spotlight this week is a creator called Kiku. I think Kiku mm-hmm. Lin. Um, that is her username. Her first name is spelled K E I K O, and then Lin L Y N N N L Y N N. A lot of our mutuals actually follow her, but it's such Wes Anderson vibes. She does these Ooh, narrated mm-hmm. videos. She's been doing a lot of costumes mm-hmm. and like showing different costumes, but it is such Wes Anderson vibes, which I just love. And then she has this British man narrate a bunch of them, which I think is fun and makes it more like a movie or something because like she's not the one doing the narration. So definitely go check her out. It's just cute and vintage inspired and adorable. Her thing is vintage style beauty interiors and DIY and just very cute. Like definitely. I love it the sweetest little videos to check out and i love when like our halloween creep like content is also like fun yeah and like girly and cute and not just like spooky and not just like blood guts and gore yeah yeah so i think she's a fun one to watch the fun girly halloween content and not the spooky scary halloween content (laughs) cool my spotlight is Kira Cyan Rit- Ritgers, I believe. It's the actual username is K I R A C Y A N dot design. She's an artist. The one that showed up on my floor page was, I guess, since this will be on YouTube, I'll show it. But it's this little skeleton, little Aww. couple that says, Our souls didn't meet by accident. And the caption's like, Till death and beyond. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of adorable designs and obviously tis the season so she's doing cute little spooky ones she has prints and stickers online that are all adorable and not just spooky but there are there's some spooky ones so yeah you can go shop her whole store stickers prints it's all adorable yeah these are very cute Mm -hmm. i like how we both chose like vintage inspired ones for nancy drew that feels very fitting right i feel like nancy drew would like these yep perfect Cute. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So there were a couple legal battles. So 1980, Harriet Adams, like I mentioned this, they switched publishers to Simon & Schuster because at a certain point, there's a whole history that I could go over. But (laughs) so before that, though, apparently Grossa and Dunlap, she didn't like them because they didn't really publicize the Hardy Boys 50th anniversary in 1977. So she didn't like Mm. that. So she moved publishers to Simon & Schuster. Grosset and Dunlett filed suit against the syndicate and the new publishers, Simon & Schuster, citing a breach of contract, copyright infringement, and unfair competition. She filed a countersuit claiming the case was in poor taste and that as the author of the Nancy Drew series, she retained the rights to her work. Although she had written many of the titles after the 50s and edited them, she claimed to be the author of 
all of the early oh no no no. (laughs) as i mentioned she apparently though she had rewritten some of the older titles maybe even all of them but she obviously was not the original author so because of this this is when the names of the original ghostwriters became public because they had mildred benson come to testify in court about her work for the syndicate and she had to like basically like say yeah i did play a role in writing the manuscripts of these and this of course contradicted harriet's claim to authorship so the court ruled that grosset had the right to publish the original series as they were in print in 1980 but that they did not own the characters or the trademarks so then furthermore any new publishers chosen by adams were completely within their rights to print new titles so basically i wonder if that's also why the names changed for future because they were able to say no we own these books but they also don't own the characters and a lot of it was because they were able to prove that harry adams actually did not write the books and that's when all the ghostwriter names became public because like i mentioned earlier the library of congress said okay yeah we can make it a secret we can we won't we don't have to make this public but then because of this court case it became totally public and that's why we know publicly about Mildred Benson and that she was the one who wrote it. So isn't that crazy? That is really insane. Man. Like Harriet, you can't lie about things. People will know. (laughs) I know. Like they'll figure it out. So moving forward, did Simon and Schuster get to move forward with the Nancy Drew series then? Yes, because they owned the characters and the trademarks. So then it basically made it so they could publish things using the character but that it still made it so that the old publishers had the right to publish the books still up until 1980 because oh, okay. they owned the publishing for that. Gotcha. So but they owned all the previous them from doing ones. anything else. Yes. That I don't know sense. how long they like maintain that publishing, but the court kind of ruled in their favor that they had the right to publish the original series. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. What a crazy, crazy thing. Love it when court cases make their way into these podcasts. Who would have thought? I know. It's so interesting. (laughs) But anyways, I want to talk about the cultural impact then of Nancy Drew. Like I mentioned, it was an immediate success of the series. And it led directly to the creation of numerous other girls' mysteries, such as the Danic girls' mystery stories and the Kay Tracy mystery stories. Hmm. I didn't read the Kay Tracy. I actually do think I did read the Danic girls. I recognize that. And what I thought was cool, too, is like many prominent and successful women cite Nancy Drew as an early formative influence whose character encouraged them to take on unconventional roles, including the U.S. Supreme Court justices Sandra Day O'Connor, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Sonia Sotomayor. So I thought that was cool. That's so cute. I know. Also, TV personality Oprah Winfrey and Barbara Walters, singer Barbara Streisand, and other just like women mystery authors, Sarah Bretzky, Nancy Pickard, Carolyn Heilburn, actresses Ellen Barkin and Emma Roberts. But that makes sense. Um, And then also former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton um, and the First Lady Laura Bush. So I thought that was like, those are like pretty prominent names. On you don't both know all sides? of them, most of them. Yeah, so. on all sides of the political spectrum. And so, yeah, brings up the fact that like it, they made her so she could you know, cater to yeah. everyone, basically. I think there's like a beauty in that. Like a lot of people would be like, oh, wow, what a way to amplify like, her so that everyone likes her. But mm-hmm. I think that there's something important in every single girl, no matter what like household she comes from, being able to yeah. look at someone as an example. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool to be or able like to do that. Or like making it so that it's like it's not offensive to a certain side. So then therefore 
then it's not, oh, you can't read that because that's going yeah. like to poison your mind of women exactly. having rights. Oh, it's like, They're oh. not going to ban the Nancy Drew books from <laughs> schools. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's a whole other conversation of that they shouldn't, but blah, 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 blah. We'll, we don't need to talk about that right now. Um, <laughs> that's a later episode. <laughs> that's a future episode. We'll talk about that more. Um, but what I thought was cool is that the books are still successful. And granted, this is a stat from 2002, so this is 20 years ago, but that's still 70 years after the first book was published. Um, so in 2002, the very first book that was published is called A Secret of the Old Clock. Mm -hmm. In the year 2002, it sold 150,000 copies alone, which still made the top 50 ranking in children's books. Yeah. And other books in the series sold over 100,000 copies each. And then sales of the hardcover volumes of the original Nancy Drew series alone has actually surpassed sales of Agatha Christie titles. Which, Man. You know, shout out to last week's episode. We talked about just how <laughs> popular and how yeah. many books sold. And that is not a loose accomplishment. That no. is, <laughs> that's is a really big accomplishment. Yes. I, I don't know how like popular they still are. Like I said, that's from 20 years ago. But even still, the fact that it was able to in this century still be so prominent um, and then i like this quote so many feminist critics have pondered the reason for the character's iconic status nancy's car and her skill in driving and repairing are often cited sorry it's like the original not like other girls it's like i can yeah. fix cars and i care about cars but it's fine <laughs> maybe nancy just maybe a pick me it's fine yeah um, she was anyway, created by a man give her a break she was <laughs> Maybe she's like the pinnacle of a man's fantasy, whatever. But they point out that the famous blue convertible is a symbol of ultimate freedom and independence. Not only does she have the freedom to go where she pleases, she's also able to change a tire and fix a flaw distributor. Prompted Paretsky to argue that in a nation where car mechanics still mock or brush off complaints by women, Nancy remains a significant role model. So I like it thinking of that way where it's like, no, it just shows her independence that she like yeah. doesn't need a man. And it's not to show off to other men. It's just so that she can be fully independent. She's out on the road solving mysteries and something yeah. happens. She's got a fix she's it be prepared yeah but she's also just treated with respect her decisions are not often questioned she is trusted by those around her male authority figures believe her statements um neither her father nor hannah gruen who is like the motherly uh, housekeeper they don't play restrictions on her comings and goings like they fully trust her her father doesn't have any restrictions on like like i said she trust her to have her own car she even apparently like has a gun in the original version of the um, hidden staircase i don't know if that was changed later but in the original version she has her own gun so i think that just like shows she is an independent woman that like as a 16 year old girl she has her own car and gun in the 1930s you know like she's an independent woman um but also he asks her advice frequently about his court cases and will listen to her and i also think like it's not that trust hasn't gone unearned like they definitely established nancy's mm -hmm. like like very, um trustworthy woman she doesn't go to school as I mentioned, that's not necessarily explained, but it's just assumed that it's because she's done with school. So she doesn't have to worry about that. She's a heroic figure. She undertakes her adventures, not for the sake of adventure alone, but in order to help others, particularly the disadvantaged. And for this reason, Nancy Drew has been called the modern embodiment of the character of good deeds. So I thought that Cute. was sweet. Like I mentioned, though, there has been some critiques, and we talked about it a little bit, where we're basically that it like, combine some contradictory values that maybe don't work 
there is a, it was like in a literary journal that I could spend a lot of money to get, but it was by Kathleen Chamberlain and it's the secrets of Nancy Drew. And I do have this quote from it though. So shout out to Kathleen. And she said for over 60 years, the Nancy Drew series has told readers that they can have the benefits of both dependence and independence without the drawbacks, that they can help the disadvantaged and remain successful capitalists, that they can be both elitist and democratic, that they can be both child and adult, that they can be both liberated woman and daddy's little girl. As another critic puts it, Nancy Drew solved the contradiction of completing discourses about American womanhood by entertaining them all. So it's like the, I'm going to talk about the Barbie movie again. Yeah. Like the monologue of the Barbie movie where you just can't have it all and everything's, all these contradictions are expected of you and it's impossible. But Nancy Drew said, I am all the contradictions and it works. So the critique of that is like, uh, but is that actually, is that actually possible? And if you no. show- people that it's possible then do they feel guilty that yeah. they actually can't actualize that in the real world it's not possible how we live she is a fake character but you know what i think it can be an ideal yeah i think as that, long as you recognize that and don't put that same pressure on yourself yeah like some people though they can embody multiple different contradictions successfully i don't think you can do all of them yeah but i think it's possible to have things about yourself that contradict in a similar way yeah. Where you're like, oh, like, I had a more of a tomboy, but I like and also, curly things. Well, like, there's ways that you can be multifaceted. and Yeah, and also, like, we want women in media to be multifaceted. We don't yeah. want them to be one lane only. I think it's more of just, like I said, it's like, you can be liberated, but not liberated. You can be this, but not. It's like, it doesn't maybe acknowledge the ways that it's, like, that's actually fair. hard to be everything. And yeah. It's hard, though, time. too, because then I'm like, but you don't want to... The thing that I really love about Nancy Drew is she doesn't fall into those repeated tropes yeah, that they mm-hmm. so often throw women into, where we'll be like, oh, yeah, she's like the cool girl, but then like she's not, though, because she's yeah. not like the complete embodiment of the male fantasy, you know? So, so it's mm-hmm. like it's refreshing to like, I think, especially for teenage girls, someone who they're able to relate to because she is everything. She is everything. Yeah. And also like. The things she's good at is not just like traditionally feminine things or traditional like, and masculine oops. things. She's good at yeah everything. <laughs> she's just good at everything. But, <laughs> true. But, yeah, yeah um, that's funny. Yeah, I lost my train of thought. But, but like, I think that that's healthier than a stereotype sometimes. Yes, yeah. exactly. I agree with that. I know we're like 50 minutes into this episode, (laughs) but I'm going to talk about the women still. Um, It's just briefly. um, Mm -hmm. And first I want to talk a little bit more about Harriet. So like I mentioned, she actually had a sister named Edna and they took control over the straight Meyer syndicate after her father died. Edna would run the basic business operations while Adams dealt with publishers and wrote. Edna basically became inactive from the business. She got married in 1942 and then Harriet completely took over the business. What I think is really cool is Adams is credited with keeping the syndicate afloat through the Great Depression and with revising the two most popular series, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys um, in the 1950s and then in the 1960s. Um, And then also she revised them and removed stereotypes and streamlining plots and characters so i thought that was cool that like she recognized okay i don't know what stereotypes were originally there but in the 50s and 60s she brought them back revised them i'm like we talked about how there would be changes i'm imagining that that's when she was like nope she was actually three when the mother died she was actually like this is how they all know each other um and she ran the company for 52 years 
So that's thought that, you know, just wanted to shout out the fact that like she is the reason why these characters are still known um, mm-hmm. and have cemented themselves into culture you know so shout out to harriet adams um unfortunate that she lied but you know what i can maybe understand that it's like if she's the one who ran this company revised these like of course she was very proud of it like it felt like hers i'm glad that she did what she did yeah (laughs) i feel like it would be hard especially because their father had them so involved from such a young age like Mm -hmm. she probably didn't feel like she was responsible for every book so she she was doing the outlines and then yeah. went back and edited the original versions anyway. Yeah. It is the wrong assumption, but I can see but where it comes from. <laughs> I can be sympathetic to it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. well, I want to talk about Mildred because she was a huge part of the success. She literally wrote the books file. Mm-hmm. Mildred Augustine Vert Benson. She was born July 10th, 1905, and she was an American journalist and writer of children's books. She wrote, like I mentioned, the earliest Nancy Drew mysteries and created the, detec- the detective's adventurous personality. And then she wrote with straight Myers syndicate from 1929 to 1947 and contributed to 23 of the first 30 nancy drew mysteries which were all bestsellers so yeah a very significant part of the makings of this character definitely Um, she was born in ladora iowa and she actually earned her degree from the university of iowa in 1925 she got her degree in english and she later returned to the university in 1927 and she actually became the first student there to earn a master's degree in journalism oh cool yeah paved away she began her career selling short stories to magazines at saint nicholas and lutheran young folks during her college years she worked at the daily iowan under editor george gallup and after receiving her undergraduate degree for the society pages of the clinton herald so she was writing short stories selling them and working for newspaper this is how she started working with edward and writing for Nancy Drew. So in the spring of 1926, Edward Straitmeyer wrote an ad looking for ghostwriters for his company. She applied, mentioning that she had plans to move to New York City, where the offices were located. At his request, Benson sent Straitmeyer some of her work and he was impressed. So she vacationed to New York and that's where she met him in July and she was offered to undertake what was called the Ruth Fielding series under the pseudonym of Alice B. Emerson. She wrote Ruth Fielding and Her Great Scenario and Edward Straitmeyer credited Benson's writing for reviving sales for the Fielding series. So just immediately on, she was doing amazing work for their company. Yeah. Syndicate ghostwriters, like I mentioned, that they would take the outlines from Straitmeyer. And after her initial meeting with him, she actually never met him again. The work was just done through correspondence of sending her the outlines and then she doing the manuscript and sending it back as with all of the ghostwriters under the terms of her contract she would just played a flat fee for her work her flat fee was quoted as 125 to 250 dollars so i don't know if she just got paid more because she had been doing it for so long for them yeah or i wonder she was so instrumental to it all they probably like depending on how good the books did that you wrote That's i'm assuming you get imagine. like a raise or something Probably. Yeah. Yeah. What I thought was interesting, I don't know if I mentioned this. So while they completely signed their rights away and they couldn't like publicly say what books, they were able to say that they wrote for the syndicate. So they could say that they were a writer for them, but 
the, you know, but they weren't allowed to use those pseudonyms or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I thought that was like interesting. So at least you could, like, you didn't have to hide the fact that you were a working author. You know? Yeah. No, that makes <laughs> like, sense. Feel like they would I'm... know what that publishing company made and be like, oh, yeah. she might be a writer on those books. <laughs> They're like, so. what are you doing? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> oh, don't look at me. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> totally. No, that makes sense. That would be a really hard thing to hide, mm-hmm. especially because then your paychecks yeah. are coming in and you're like, you're like none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they weren't like sworn to secrecy or anything <laughs> crazy. Good. They just couldn't reveal the books that they wrote or whatever. Oh, man. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So 1929, like I, I talked about the creation, but he developed a new series of detective novels with Benson in mind, though, for the ghostwriter. This is funny. He actually originally titled the heroine Stella Strong. Huh. I know. But then when he sold the series to that original publisher, Grosset and Dunlap, who was the one in the, called, yeah. the court case, yeah, they went for a different name, Nan Drew, but then they linked the name to Nancy Drew. Straight Meyer sent the outlines of the first four novels to Benson. And she actually is like the one, like I said, who developed her personality, like a spunky personality had with that had a daring, adventurous spirit. She wanted to, I, what I love this is that she sought to make the heroine an unusually liberated woman for her time. She later said about the original books, quote, I always knew the series would be successful. I just never expected it to be the blockbuster that it has been. I'm glad that I had that much influence on people. I so love that. She just seems to be just like so grateful for this. After finishing work on the book that was called The Mystery at Lilac Inn, um, and only a few weeks after the launch of the series. Oh, I forgot to mention this. So the series launched, and then three weeks later, apparently, like, Edward Straitmeyer dies. And so, basically, when Harry Adams took over the company, it was immediately after. Yeah. So, very tragic. I don't know what happened, <sighs> but I didn't properly so he really give wasn't Harry Adams credit. entirely that involved in Nancy Drew, then, other than the idea mm-hmm. and the original. It was a lot of it of Harriet and, yeah. and Mildred. So, yeah, I guess that totally changed things. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. So, <laughs> You're good. Big detail. But including the terms of his will, all syndicate, including Benson, were sent one-fifth of the equivalent of the royalties the syndicate had received for each book series to which they had contributed. So I thought that was cool that in his will, he did make sure that the ghostwriters were taken care of. Harriet Adams and Edna Straitmeyer initially attempted to sell the company as per his wishes, but they weren't able to find a buyer due to the Great Depression. And so that's why they just continued the work. And then they kept the correspondence with Benson. So again, I think they were just writing to each other and writing these books. Apparently, she briefly quit the Nancy Drew series, but she continued writing the fielding books until the series was canceled by its publisher in the 34. And then she returned to Nancy Drew. And then they convinced her to write the Kay Tracy and the Dana Girls series that they developed. The Dana Girls also used the Caroline Keene pseudonym and has been written by the Hardy Boys ghostwriter Leslie McFarlane until he quit following the initial four books. Gotcha. So they were like, please come back and write Nancy Drew and also write these two characters yeah. that you created as well. She continued writing for the syndicate until the early 50s. Then they underwent management changes. In 1959, that's when Adams, Harriet, began revising and updating the Nancy Drew books written by Benson. Um, And then I guess Harriet made changes to Nancy's personality that had been crafted by Benson that made her less assertive and spunky, which I thought was interesting. Um, And then 
20 years later, like I mentioned, they called her to the stand during a lawsuit and then her testimony revealed her identity to the public as a contributor. Oh, this is cool. And I think just like the timing of everything happened really well because in the 70s, they created a TV show for the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. And then that was like right before the time that it became public of who she was. So she just got a lot of publicity for this, which I think is cool. In 2001, Benson received a special Edgar Award and the Mystery, Mystery Writers of America for her contributions to the Nancy Drew series. So I thought it's nice that like later in her life, she got the flowers she deserved once everyone understand that's who it was. Benson's favorite Nancy Drew story was The Hidden Staircase, the second mystery in the series. And apparently whenever asked, she would gladly autograph copies of the Nancy Drew books, but only the titles that she actually wrote. Ah, I love that. That is so classy. I know. To be like, oh, I can't do that one. I didn't write that. I... Yeah, I think it's so classy. Like everything I read about this woman, I was like, every I just love everything. Just yeah, seems so graceful and classy with everything. She did write a little bit more though. In addition to the other like characters that she would write with Straight Meyer Syndicate, she wrote other series both in her name and in other pseudonyms from the 30s to the 50s. She ultimately wrote under a dozen names and published more than 130 books. Holy um, crap! Yeah. In 1930 and 31, she wrote the Ruth Darrow series, which is the story of a girl who takes flying lessons and flies in her own aircraft and then wins a national cross-country race, lands on an aircraft carrier, helps a forest service in fighting forest fires, and alerts the Coast Guard of an immigrant smuggling scheme. See? She just loves to write about impossible teen girls. Yes. (laughs) The series has been highlighted as an unusual for its time for both its generally authentic aeronautical lore so in the sense that it was very accurate to planes and what yeah. was needed um, but then of course like the consistent and very outspoken advocacy for what women could do but also what they could do with like machines he mm-hmm. was really good with cars and then ruth darrow was really good with airplanes so it just that's shows like cool. what she was passionate about which i thought was yeah. really cool that's um, so fun 1939 to 47 she wrote the penny parker books which were published under her own name Parker was the daughter of a newspaper editor who sought to become a reporter herself, often becoming involved in mysteries and mysteri- yeah, in mysteries and dangerous situations. She was modeled after both the Nancy Drew characters and after herself, after Benson. Um, but she gave but also gave Benson creative control of the character and her stories that she did not have for the Nancy Drew series. She actually later would cite Parker as her favorite of the characters she wrote and considered her to be a better Nancy Drew than Nancy is. That's cute. I thought that was funny. That makes me want to read a Penny Parker book. Me too. Yeah. I'm like, I can get behind newspaper reporter solving Mm -hmm. crimes. Or Ruth Darrow. Yeah. The airplane. Aeronautical (laughs) wonder. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) She began working at the Toledo Blade in 1944 and continued there for 58 years. The Blade, which is just a newspaper in Toledo, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Um, And she continued there for 58 years. After the death of her second husband in 59, she focused on journalism. In the 1990s, she began writing a weekly column of the Toledo Blade titled On the Go. She continued this and writing obituaries full-time until just a few months before her death. She was also known, shockingly, as a great adventurer. She made numerous trips to Central America, witnessing archaeological 
excavations and visiting different Mayan sites. After her second husband's death, she actually obtained her pilot's license and continued flying for several years. And she died in Toledo, Ohio at the age of 96 in 2002. Man, what a woman. What a woman. I (laughs) love her. Um, Yeah, and I love that she like got her pilot's license, but also she must have known a lot about planes before she actually got her license if she was able to so accurately write that yeah i wonder which i want to know more about her the idea for the series or her love of planes i bet the love of planes came first i bet that's why she wrote it yeah i'm getting very what's her name who did we read the biography on oh um dickie chappelle yes ruth darrow is giving dickie Dickie Chappelle chappelle vibes Yep. Go listen to that episode of ours. Mm-hmm. It's truly one of my favorites about the war correspondent, Dickie Chappelle. Dickie Chappelle would love those books. Yes, she would. I <laughs> yeah. hope she read them, actually. Yeah. Wait, I don't know if that was before time. Uh, it would have been right around if it was the 30s, 40s. Yeah. She might have been a little too old for children's books, though. That's true. But Anyways. Yeah. But so there is Mildred, <laughs> the original, not creator, but was such a huge role Andrew was and yeah wrote most of the first 30 editions of it and was just a prolific author throughout her entire life incredible even if Nancy Drew wasn't originally created by a woman I think women made her who she is today so I would agree yes and also I didn't talk about the video games but apparently they're really fun I never played them I know I keep meaning to check them out and then I keep forgetting I think at one point I like was about to get one because I think they're just computer games oh yeah Uh uh-huh yeah I never played them so it's like twenty dollars and you buy like a mystery and then you just play it on your computer it's just a pc or mac game go play some Nancy Drew yeah but anyways there is our true all-American teenage sleuth, yeah. Nancy Drew, and the creators. Hope you, I don't know, feel inspired to go watch the movie with us this week, of course, or read the books, maybe. Want to get nostalgic? Play the video games? Definitely. Get One a blue thing... convertible yourself? I don't know. Oh, man, if only. <laughs> True. Anyways, One thing I did want to mention, did you ever watch Veronica Mars? Yes. Oh, my gosh. We should have done Veronica Mars. I actually... Okay created by a man but that's okay i just love veronica mars yeah i just wanted to mention it because that series is so good Mm -hmm. and it went on for a really long time and the guy who actually wrote it produced directed screenwrite and everything he also wrote i zombie which did you ever Mm. watch that too Mm -mm. okay those are both crime solving shows i zombie the premises is that she eats the brains of the victims in autopsy And then she's able to solve their murder because you get, like, people's memories. Yeah. I had not heard of that. That's – okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Weird. I really loved it. And then it got, like, super strange. But Veronica Mars went on for four seasons. It was total 90s show. But the premise is basically the same as Nancy Drew. Her dad is a private investigator. Yeah, true. And yeah, and then she helps him solve a lot of cases. But originally, she's just she he hires her as the photographer to mm-hmm. like because he gets a lot of cases for cheating spouses and stuff. So she goes and takes pictures. But then she ends up helping him like solve all of these cases and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think they're a little bit more realistic. They're really like 
Yeah. She's an outcast at school and their family. Not as much of a good at everything character. Yeah. Her family is not doing super well, but it has like the single dad, really Mm -hmm. independent teenage girl solving crime vibes. And the actress is Kristen Bell. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like fun little 90s vibes and it's all on Hulu. So if you're looking for something that gives Nancy Drew without the Roman coins and ghosts and seances, you can watch Veronica Mars. (laughs) I think that is a great recommendation. I don't know why I didn't think about making that connection, but so good. Love Veronica Mars. Thank you for joining us listeners for our second episode in our more than amused murder mystery month you can check out last week's episode about agatha christie mm-hmm. and next week we are not gonna be talking about an author or a book series we'll be actually talking about movies yes and the women in certain movies do we want i don't know if we want to give it away or not we're but... talking about hitchcock yeah hitchcock. yeah he is such a regarded film director and creator but there is a lot of women involved in that and a lot of situations that happened with the women Mm -hmm. involved in that and we think that they deserve a lot of credit for the success of those movies so we're excited to talk about all of that and continue this murder mystery fun october month yeah amazing see you then see ya Bye. bye everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.